Thank you for stopping by early with us today. Uh, we have, uh, as I said, Dr. Victory could not make it because of the time of the day. She's otherwise well, so don't worry about her. But we're going to speak to Aga Wilson. She's a human rights activist and a reporter. Her show is called AgaWilsonShow.com. You can also uh, find her on CWTAIC. That's the Can We Talk About It? Can We Talk About It.org is the organization she founded to be able to discuss the range of reactions to the uh, mRNA vaccine. A little later on, we'll have Ed Dowd uh, swing back around. Of course, I think you all know Ed. He is the founder of Finance Technology. He has the book Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Death in 21 and 22. Uh, Dowd is a former Wall Street analyst or current Wall Street analyst. And he's been looking at the data on excess mortality and trying to make sense of these actuarial data. And what he uncovers, of course, is always concerning. He has new data today. But first, we're going to start out with Aga. We'll be watching you guys on Restream, Twitter Spaces, and of course, over at Rumble Rants. See you in a minute. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I suspect you've seen Susan and I gushing over Paleo Valley products. We love the taste and how well they fit into a paleo-based nutrition regimen. They're delicious and we use them for travel all the time. But there's more. We are huge fans as well of Paleo Valley's grass-fed bone broth protein. It comes in three flavors, unflavored, vanilla and chocolate. It's a powder you can add to really anything. We add it to coffee literally every day. Smoothies, baked dishes, or just hot water dissolves really easily. The bone broth protein is made with 100% grass-fed and finished bones that are free from pesticides or antibiotics and are slow simmered to extract as much collagen as possible. As we age, collagen breaks down. That's what wrinkles are. And research shows that there are significant benefits to adding a collagen source in your diet. I don't think it's too much to say it's changed our lives. And Susan is now reporting that after drinking the bone broth for a few weeks, her hair is stronger and longer and nails are stronger too. Try it for yourself. You can order at drdrew.com slash paleovalley and use Dr. Drew at checkout to save an additional 15%. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need, but if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z pack The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites, 
to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. Yeah, that kit is exactly what I would prescribe to people for travel, particularly to exotic travel. So uh, if you are traveling, that is a great way to get a little kit together to cover just about everything that could possibly happen to you on the road. Uh, but again, you will consult with a physician as part of setting that up so you can determine whether or not it's appropriate for where you are going. But it has really covers everything from sinus to soft tissue to pharyngitis to traveler's diarrhea, just everything. So uh, I just really um, thought it was a great product. So back to our guest today, it is Aga Wilson, a human rights activist. She was with the UN and uh, ultimately at UNICEF in Nepal to work on youth and disarmament. Uh, she uh, founded the Can We Talk About It campaign. We'll talk about her history with that and why she became concerned about vaccine uh, adverse reactions. And uh, a couple you know, new articles we'll be discussing today. I found it kind of interesting. Uh, before I mention that, though, I want to mention it's canwetalkaboutit.org, augawilsonshow.com, and of course on Twitter, C-W-T-A-I-C. Um, but these two articles are fascinating to me in that people are beginning to talk about some of the adverse vaccine reactions. And here is a science article, rare link between coronavirus vaccines and long COVID-like illness starts to gain acceptance. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, it's unusual. I don't know about rare, but I've seen it. We've interviewed a guy on this show, if you remember. There's a friend of mine that got long, terrible long COVID from that. And then the second article was just up there on the screen also. Large cohort study finds possible association between postural orthostatic hypertension syndrome and COVID-19 vaccination, but a far stronger link with SARS-CoV-2 infection. Now... <laughs> So, so look, I, I get that any of this could be post-COVID related, but we're trying to parse out what is vaccine related and what is COVID related so we can come up with a risk-reward stratification for, say, a young person that's not likely to get severe COVID. I have not seen, I can't think of any cases of long COVID I've seen from young people. I'm sure they're out there, but I've not seen POTS. I've spoken to a couple of people with, from POTS with COVID, but I've seen lots of POTS from the vaccine, including a friend who suffered a skull fracture as a result. So why the rush to qualifying every bit of data we're looking at? It's the strangest damn thing. So please welcome Aga Wilson, founder of Can We Talk About It? campaign can we talk about it dot org you know what i mean I mean this craziness where everything has to be qualified nothing can just go on in the normal uh, scientific discourse i'm sure you've noticed the same yes hi thank you so much for having me on today i'm very honored to be here today uh so so yeah i mean um it's it's just been a, a, i think for many of us a shocking experience to go go through this uh COVID crisis in the last couple of years and just seeing, you know, how science constantly is being, um, you know, attacked and, and tampered with. And I, yeah, I, I have no words for <laughs> what what's really going on uh, because uh, I don't know, but I don't know about you, but when I worked for the UN and even before when I went to university, I, I uh, 
one of my favorite courses was uh, one about political psychology, uh, where you got to really learn about the red flags, you know, when it comes to propaganda, where, where, where um, you know, um, something is is told to the people uh, that doesn't sit right. And and I saw, started seeing the red flags very early on because, I mean, I do know, and I think we all can say that if you have a product that's safe and effective and it really works, you don't really have to defend it or sell it. Or, I mean, it would just speak for itself, right? So um, mm -hmm. it's been a it's, it's been a big eye opener, I think, for all of us uh, about what's going on, and that it's, it's really um, a, a very interesting process we have seen, right? Yeah. What do you think is going on? I want to. I want to. I want two broad sort of subjects to cover. One is. What is this, you know, how is this propaganda, so to speak, being executed? You know, what do you think is going on there, number one? Because it's it's worldwide, too, which is sort of so odd about this whole thing. And then the other, and I think the first question to be answered is, what happened that led to you founding? Can we talk about it? Oh, yes. So, um, I mean, my story started with when I was pregnant uh, with my son, and that was in 2016. Uh, and I got kind of bullied into taking the DTaP vaccine back then. And that's when I, um, two months after post-birth, I uh, had an injury. I, I got rheumatoid arthritis. And I. Um, it took me a while to realize where it was coming from. But um, I also, you know, was at the beginning of the, my journey as a mother and I started looking into vaccines in general and, and if they're really something that I wanted to give my son because you know I had I had heard that they could there could be complications. So I did my due diligence as a mother and I you know started doing a lot of research and, and what I found was just absolutely mind-boggling and uh, and so scary because you know you start reading study after study you start uh, seeing things that you never knew existed and you start started questioning yourself as a mother you know what am i doing is this the right way to go am i you know going to kill my baby you know it's just all sorts of things that come up and it was a very difficult decision for me i think it took over a year for me to do all the research dig into all the studies and and really understand, you know, what was going on, and and that what we were hearing from our our you know government officials, including uh, you know our health agencies, was not really what was happening out there. So it was a big eye opener for me back then, and I wanted to do more because I am a humanitarian, and I always worked you know with with humanitarian issues. This this um, I saw a humanitarian crisis, so to speak, maybe not. I, I wouldn't maybe call it crisis, but something that really, you know, uh, uh, touched me very deeply. And I wanted to do more, so I got very involved. And, and that's when I started working with our movement and including organizations, organizations like Children's Health Defense and other, um, of course, doctor scientists that were back then already involved in this. Um, and I also healed myself, you know, over time and I had to find the answers. It's It's kind of, it was a jungle out there for people like me because... You have an injury and I knew I couldn't trust the doctors. I knew that if I went there to tell them what happened, they would not link it to the vaccine and they would put me on medication. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted to, you know, uh, heal naturally or, or you know, uh, more holistically. Um, and then the pandemic came. And of course, we were, I was already working kind of deeply in this. So, so I think most of us already knew and saw that something was wrong. 
Uh, and I know that in the beginning, when they started admi administering the COVID-19 vaccinations, uh, uh, we already started seeing stories coming out, right? Some on, on Facebook, they were highly censored, which was really, really worrying to me already then. And also when we tried to contact them as, as Children's Health Defense, because then I was helping them to put together some sort of a video docu documentation of what was happening, people were reluctant to uh, be associated with anti-vax organizations, basically. So um, we kind of put it on ice because it was impossible to get people to, you know, uh, wanting to be part of this project. Uh, but later on, this continued, of course, and I saw that there was so many stories suddenly coming out, you know, and people were completely lost out there. Um, because, you know, they were censored, they were, they were gaslighted, they were, uh, you know, attacked, um, and uh, and they they couldn't find any help. No one was there to kind of support them, and they were abandoned by by their government. So, I had done campaigns before working in the nonprofit sector uh, previously, and uh, I thought that you know we need to raise awareness about this issue for sure, and have create a safe space for people to kind of tell their stories. So that's what we did. We kind of went together with 30 partners, simultaneously launched it globally so that we could kind of bypass this, this whole uh, censorship that Facebook and, and everyone else was doing. Um, and we also made it so that, you know, we wouldn't kind of mention any keywords uh, uh, so that they could censor, censor us immediately. We, we asked instead, you know, can we talk about it? And we had pictures in black and white of people that uh, had, you know, just had a Band-Aid on their arm, kind of, uh, uh, you know, symbolizing that they had taken the vaccine and then it was a black and white picture. And then you just wrote your your symptoms, basically. So it was, you know, um, wh whatever you, you, you were experiencing, blood clots, you know, and, and obviously we, we do know that most people had many of those. So, and then they started coming out on the internet and, and that's how, how it all got traction. Um, but this year I also, and I think the hardest part for all of us, including the doctors and scientists and, and many people out there that I have been collaborating with these last three years or two years, uh, are we're trying to find solutions, right? We need to find solutions. And there's so little, uh, research and studies that have been done on what is actually happening, uh, you know, in, inside the human body when, when these vaccines are, are being have been taken by people. Uh, so we need, we, we need answers. We need to know what's going on in order to, to be able to find a solution. So that's basically, I think the main focus of, of the organization right now, you know, outside of the storytelling. Um, yeah. So I think that I'll stop there <laughs> in case you have okay. any questions. So, so I want to stay with the uh, COVID vaccine, the new technologies and whatnot, because that's where a lot of the concern is. I, how do we parse out what has gone on? I mean, you know, it's it's very complicated. I, I'm seeing more data that is linking post-COVID complications at a higher rate than post-vaccine complications. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that yet, uh, including the study I just quoted up there where they rushed to tell you that there's more linked to the, 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 don't we first have to understand what the risk of the vaccine itself is? And then we need to understand what the risk of 
post-COVID is. And then we need to understand what the risk of the two combined are. Uh, and then we can make good decisions about whether we should be taking vaccines or not. It, it, I'm very convinced the, that I have done the right thing vaccinating my elderly patients. I've said this repeatedly almost every day lately because I'm increasingly convinced. I've not seen a single side effect. I've seen significant benefit in terms of, uh, you know, I've lost some patients to COVID early on that were over the age of 70. That has stopped. And of course, we're into the Omicron era. And there's data now that suggests that, you know, maybe the Omicron looks milder because everyone's either had the illness or had the vaccine. So it's hard to say what Omicron really is. Uh, you know, I can tell you I'm seeing the new variant and the new variant is more intense than the previous Omicron. Now, is that because of vaccine escape or is that, I, these are all impossible questions unless they go at it full force. What is preventing us from uh, going at these questions, do you think? Well, that, that's the million dollar question, right? Because I believe, you know, as, as if you have a government that is in charge of, of, of you know, health of, of its people and it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, you know, that to me is already a big red flag. I mean, I don't know about you, but when we had the, the swine flu in Sweden and we, we vaccinated over half the population, and we had 400 cases reported of narcolepsy, they took that vaccine immediately off the market. So my big question here is, you know, how are we in a situation where we by now have millions of, of reported side effects, you know, in the VAERS system, including WHO, including, you know, the Eurovigilance in, in, in Europe? How is it possible that our governments that are in charge of these things are not doing more research to find the answers. Because as you said, like, how, how would you know if it's long COVID, if it's the vaccine, if it's, you know, how do you know if, if you had both, right? Like we have, we have no idea. And they're not putting any money in the research that's needed today. We don't even know what's in these shots, you know, for, to, to, you know, a hundred percent. And, and uh, well, it feels like there. I'm going to interrupt you. And it feels like, yeah. It, you're not allowed to ask any question, at least you have not been able to. I think it's starting to move in the right direction, but you've not been able to ask any question that could implicate the vaccine above COVID. Like if that's a possible outcome, the study is not fought, is not pursued. And certainly if there were a, a result that showed the vaccine was worse than COVID, that wouldn't get published. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know the Danish researcher that showed that 5% of the batches were responsible for 90% of the adverse events, 87% or something. And that needs to be further worked on. That needs to be looked at. And she couldn't get that published for two years. Are you, are you familiar with that? And, and what is, what, but it's not the drug companies per se that are doing this. There's a weird kind of, it's the same collective cognitive dissonance collective you know mass formation collective something hysteria that uh has people locking down and wearing masks and throwing people out by force if they don't this kind of thing isn't it just the same phenomenon it's a more global phenomenon than just pointing at the drug companies no absolutely and i think like you say there's many layers to it right i mean First of all, something that that you know caught my attention is that 
you know, I've been, I've been working for the UN uh, for several years and, and I've been sitting there doing this meeting, even in the General Assembly, you know, uh, Security Council. I have never seen any kind of global crisis that has just had everyone um, suddenly agree on everything. And there's just like one agenda that everyone is following, you know, to the point. Like, I mean, you know, to me, that's, I would question, I, I question that immediately because that doesn't, I've never seen something like that. Uh, and, and and it's hard enough to agree, you know, like, you know, on, 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 I mean, there's been so many big questions and issues discussed at the UN between the, the member states. And, and this is like unheard of. So, so that caught my attention in the beginning. I'm like, what, how is this possible? Right. Um, and then also, like you said, you know, the, uh, the, the, the article that you mentioned, um, for the research, I, I even interviewed, um, you know, uh, a, a German data analyst that basically saw, well, he was looking into the whole, um, uh, you know, a German system where, and this is, has nothing to do with vaccine injuries or anything like that. It, it's just the, the German healthcare system. And this healthcare system is, is um, uh, covering 71 million Germans. And what he saw in there, because, you know, each disease, as, as you know, when you're a doctor and you see a patient, you have a code for each disease. And it's kind of like this international code that you put in. So so there's nothing about injury or anything like that. But what he saw that was really worrying was that, you know, from the administration of of the date that the, the vaccine started being administered, over 200 diseases, like, you know, started like, you know, just skyrocketing some more than others, you know, uh, and this is something he's never seen in, in many years of his work. So, and these are things you hear from all over the world all the time, you know, that, that things do not make sense. Um, and, and he did write to the government, you know, so, so all of these people, they're not only seeing this, but they're informing their governments. You know, I have many stories like that from, from people that have been working for pharmaceutical companies, they see something wrong, they get fired, or, you know, they, it's just like, you know, it's, it's a story that happens over and over again, and the censorship and, and the propaganda. And I also feel that, you know, if you watch the TV and everything else is censored and all you see is this vaccine safe and effective, um, it, it's it's a subconscious programming, you know, of some sort. I mean, when you read political psychology and you under, like you, you, you start understanding how people in Rwanda that, that live together in peace as neighbors suddenly could slaughter each other with machetes and the psychology behind that, you know, um, I'm, I'm 100% certain that, you know, I, I mean, we can repeat this. We can repeat this many times and it's definitely possible. So what they did was they also turned us against each other, the vaccinated and the un unvaccinated. And I see very very big similarities in the patterns there, you know, from, from these type of conflicts that happened back, back in time. It's just that they're different, you know, they're not about wars anymore. They're more like, I, I would call this more like, you know, on, on a much more silent level. You said you, you said you studied uh, prop political propaganda and the red flags and how awful political propaganda is. And I'm sure you, your professor sat in judgment of it. And yet I, I, it makes me wonder if he's one of the perpetrators and, you know, these people that were <laughs> the ones that were the, the biggest, you know, the, the people that complained them that were had the most disdain for Senator McCarthy or strangely using McCarthy-esque uh, sort of, sort of style now, which is just so astonishing to me. But 
in terms of those red flags, A, what were the red flags that you were taught about? And B, you said this has happened in history many times before. And I, you know, when it happens, guillotines come out. It's French Revolution, it's Russian Revolution, it's Rwanda. I mean, it's, of course, it's happened many times. But scapegoating becomes a major mechanism of uh, how the violence is, is focused. So what were the red flags uh, that you were taught? Not necessarily what you saw here, but would teach us what those red flags are. And then is there something about these patterns of recurrence in societies? Are they strictly socio-political movements or is there something indigenous in the character structure, the personality structures that evolve over time, i.e. narcissism, uh, that are prone to these kinds of acting out? All right, I'm going to try to remember that, you know, th those those um, um, points in your question. But uh, I I mean, I think for me, the, the biggest red flags were that, you know, suddenly we, we couldn't have an open dialogue about this. You know, there was no uh, there was just one one side of the story and everyone that spoke against it were basically immediately just uh, you know trashed or, or, or attacked or, or, you know, disqualified, so to speak. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and that, that's something that is, you know, you can, you can see that everywhere in, in dictatorships, uh, communist countries, you know, where people don't have the freedom to talk and speak out, you know, about, about things that the government doesn't allow them to do. And this is exactly what happened. Not only, you know, were the doctors and scientists attacked and, and censored, it was, you know, the vaccine injured people that couldn't suddenly speak about, you know, their injuries. And, and you know, tell me about any other disease out there that, that you cannot freely speak about if you have it on, on social media or, you know, something happens to you, right? Um, uh, nothing about that made any sense to me, you know, that you cannot, you cannot have an open dialogue with, with other scientists and people. And, and this is what science is all about to me. So like that, you know, that was number one big red flag. The other one was, you know, the constant talking about, you know, how the other people, like you said, scapegoating, the people that wouldn't take the vaccine were, were you know, bad and they killed other people and they were irresponsible and they made these people into, you know, seem like they're pretty irresponsible people that, that should not be, um, you know, respected or heard on any level. And, um, you know, and, and then uh, the discrimination that happened when they started implementing, you know, these, these COVID-19 vaccine passports everywhere, you know, and this was also something I was in Sweden at the time and, uh, we, we weren't going to take that, that, you know, they would, they would uh, implement some sort of passports to, to enter restaurants and stuff like that. So we actually pulled together a big protest of over, 10,000 people. And it was a huge protest in, in Stockholm. And um, with that and some other legal processes that we were working on behind the scenes and, or some other people, some lawyers were working on behind the scenes, we managed to stop it. But that also shows, you know, the power of the people and how much power we have. These people work for us and we can never, you know, forget about that, that, you know, we have that power and we need to uh, question, question everything and, and, and hold them responsible and accountable for, for all of this, because, you know, I've seen too many people suffer from, from this vaccine and it's absolutely heartbreaking, you know, what is happening out there and how many millions we're talking about. But, but back to the excesses of uh, government, th there was a large contingent that welcomed it and 
participated in the silencing and marginalizing of anybody that didn't participate it's like it was the strange one of the strangest pieces of the story was people in government seemed to enjoy this and there was a giant population that equally enjoyed being the recipient of this kind of um excess that that was the part that was startling to me and so that's the second part of my question is there something in the historical trends such as character construct you know personality development that uh, sets us up for this oh my i don't know if i can answer that right now but uh um i don't know if i can come up with anything but uh, th- there definitely is i'm just are you afraid to say it or you just haven't formulated the full <laughs> thought yet no, no, no. I haven't formulated the, the, the full thought. I'm definitely okay. not afraid of okay. it. <laughs> I, I can, I can no, tell right. you that if you, if you look at the antecedent history of maybe two generations before the major um, upset, you see a lot of uh, childhood trauma, for sure. A lot of all yeah, types, yeah. Uh, especially sexual, especially in, in France, it was sexual trauma and, and abandonment. And uh, that isn't normal. That happens in trends. And it, it, then there's a reaction one or two generations subsequent to that, naturally. And if the socio-political environment uh, suits it, off it goes. So I, I, I don't know. It's some combination of all these things. But here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to uh, take a little break and I want to bring in Ed Dowd. Of course, everyone who's a fan of this show knows Ed. He is um, the founder of Finance Technology. I'm going to give you his particulars right now very quick. Uh, you can follow Ed Dowd on Twitter at Dowd, D-O-W-D, uh, Edward. And uh, he is finance, P-H-I-N-A-N-C-E, technologies.com. And he has new data for us. And I'm going to get his sort of uh, take on some of the material you're looking at as well. I'll be right back after this. I want to share with you a teeth whitening system that goes beyond merely enhancing your smile. Primal Life Organics Real White Teeth Whitening System offers convenience and rapid results without harsh chemicals. Light, blue light for whitening, red light for gum and oral hygiene, and you can just do both if you wish. Works naturally, promoting gum healing, tooth remineralization, gives you a brighter and a healthier smile. Again, no peroxide involved. Consistent usage yields remarkable results. Take this opportunity to transform your smile and at the same time, optimize your oral health. Aim for five times a week for the best outcomes. Discover more about this remarkable teeth whitening system and other products at drdrew.com primal today. That again is drdrew.com P-R-I-M-A-L. Be sure to use that link for 60% off drdrew.com slash P-R-I-M-A-L. Do it today for 60% off. There are three steps to great looking glowing complexion in the summer. Of course, apply sunscreen, stay hydrated, and use the amazing skincare products from our friends at Genucel. Most retinol creams are not recommended for sunlight, but Genucel's Ultra Retinol uses a powerful plant extract retinol. It's an alternative called Bacuchiol which helps the skin stay hydrated, smooths out fine lines without harsh side effects. And it is safe to use outside under your sunscreen. Genucel works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. And Susan and I love Genucel so much, we created our affordable bundles at up to 72% off of our favorite 
products at genucell.com slash drew. And just for the summer, every subscription includes a customized summer spa gift box absolutely free. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at genucel.com. See what's in our bundles. Get ready to show off your summertime skin. Go to genucel.com slash Drew. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W, genucel.com slash Drew. And remember to use the code Drew at checkout for extra savings. Temperatures are soaring across the country, but do not lose sleep over the record-breaking heat. Say goodbye to hot, restless nights with soft, breathable, temperature-regulating bedding from Cozy Earth. Susan and I love them. We were so excited to tell you about them. In fact, we have them on our bed right now, and the Cozy Earth sheets made such a difference. We got back from our trip and like delighted to have these sheets. They're made from super soft viscous from bamboo that are, helps regulate temperatures and keeps us comfortable all night long. Plus, they're durable, machine washable, come with a 10-year warranty against defects, it's no surprise that Cozy Earth's brands has been featured on Oprah's favorite things for five years in a row. They are now one of my favorite things too. I want you to try these out for yourself. I am excited about a special deal that Cozy Earth is offering on our show today. My audience can save 40% on Cozy Earth bedding today. Just go to CozyEarth.com, enter our promo code Drew at checkout, and you will save 40% right now. Try them for 100 nights. If you don't sleep cooler and love them, send it back for a full refund that is C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H dot com, promo code D-R-E-W. And we are back, and uh, our guest is Aga Wilson, and we are now also welcoming in Ed Dowd. Ed, welcome back. There he is. <laughs> Hang on a second, you were, you were muted or something, and we got your top of your head cut off too. So tilt your, tilt your computer back. There you are. And uh, see if we can get a, there you are. You're perfect. So I don't know if you heard, I, I have a feeling your mic is still off though, Ed. There you are. That's better. It's back. I, I hear the white noise coming through now. So how are things in Maui? Uh, we continue to see a cover up uh, and slow roll of the death toll numbers, but aid is getting to the people. Uh, FEMA's here. And the, you know, the, it, it never became a humanitarian crisis. It could have, but that's, that's been averted, thank, thankfully. I heard there are planes flying around, uh, sort of telling people to stay in their home and where and when they can and can't come out. Is that accurate or is that apocryphal? That's apocryphal. Uh, you know, the roads are open. People are uh, going everywhere in Lahaina and the uh, other parts of that area. But the devastated area that's been cordoned off, there are now fences up, and it's now a, a hazard site. Wow. So you, I understand, have some new data for us as well. Uh, what's going on on, the, on your uh, data front here? Yeah, so um, we're starting to update 2023 numbers with, uh, as of June. We started off in the UK. We're going to be following up with other countries. But um, just, just so we're clear, the 2023 numbers I talk about are annualized estimates based off our linear model, given the data we have as of June. And one thing we discovered that was quite worrisome was something that I actually talked about in my book as a smoking gun. Uh, children in the UK 
were not vaccinated till later in 2021, and their excess deaths were actually going down because of lockdowns and school closures, which makes sense because the biggest cause of death in one through 14 age group is accidental. Well, we saw then that their excess deaths were starting to rise with the introduction of the vaccines. Now the 23 numbers are coming in and it's gone from, uh, the numbers are, let me just look, 16% in 2022 and 22% in 2023. And in 2021, it was actually minus 7% excess deaths. So, uh, you know, obviously I, I'm of the camp, it's the vaccine. So we're seeing a rise in excess deaths in the age group one through 14 uh, post the implementation of the vaccine. We haven't put this out yet, but we've run some correlations. Again, correlations aren't causation, but it's a 0.94 fit on the model. So 94% correlation to the vaccine rollout. And the percentages, that's the correlation, or is that the relative no, increase? That, that's the, on the left is the, the, uh, the death rate, and on the right is ah. the uh, annualized excess death. So the death, the death rate was coming down because, you know, healthcare in the, in the UK was going well and safety protocols. And then you saw the, the, the drop in the death rate um, into, into the lockdowns, but then it started going back up with the vaccines. And the percentages were in 2020, it was minus 9% excess deaths in one through 14, uh, and the minus seven, and then it shot up to 16 and 22 and annualized numbers are no, 16 in 2022 and 22% annualized in 2023. So we suspect. I'm not quite getting what the per percentages of excess deaths. Is that, is that the percentages? Yeah. Percent excess death above normal trend line. Okay. Was, was pediatric deaths or that eight zero? One through 14. Well, ages one through 14. Yeah. Zero, zero is pediatric. Uh, zero is pediatric. But we we didn't we we uh, that the numbers I'm presenting are one through fourteen because that's from my book. So okay, it's an and it would be interesting if I get it. It would the, be very interesting if you could book. also, yeah, and it would also be very good if you could show that the decline in death rate was in fact due to decrease in accidents or or you know those sorts of. Uh, unfortunate uh, causes of death in that age group because that that data is not in there i assume uh no but we we, we speculate that the the excess deaths went down during the lockdowns pre-vaccine for the children one through 14 you got to remember vaccines rolled out for them later in the uk around november of 2021 so we sus we suspect that um uh that accidental deaths were down uh, we haven't analyzed the actual causes of the deaths yet. We're hoping to get that data at some point. And in terms of that 0.93 correlation, I, I'd love to know, A, how you arrived at that, and B, I, I'm seeing lots more data coming in that is suggesting COVID may be the culprit for the excess deaths. What do you do with that data? Well, so the, the data, it's just a simple uh, linear uh, um fit so when the vaccines rolled out the excess deaths started going up so we just measure the uh the correlation is it's a simple calculation and it's 0.93.94 again you know people will say that's not causation but it, it it certainly is something to to be investigated uh if covid was the cause of this rise in ages 1 through 14 why didn't it appear in 2020 and 2021 and only started post vaccination that so these questions need to be asked. 
they need to be investigated. But the numbers that I reported in my book have gotten worse since uh, since since my book, unfortunately. And Ed, I don't know if you've uh, heard the conversation I was having with Aga Wilson. She is my other guest today. And Aga, these were very much the com- the questions you and I were asking. Uh, Ed is a source of great, uh, a great source of data, very concerning data, asking questions, mining data in ways that other people don't seem to be. I'm wondering if you have any other questions for him. Well, I, I just had a comment actually that would it would be very interesting to compare to to Sweden where where they never recommended the shots for kids, for example, and you know we never had lockdowns, so so that could probably help as well, you know, to to compare. We haven't done Sweden twenty twenty three numbers, but I will tell you, Sweden's interesting. Your excess deaths. Uh, were much better than the rest of the world, but then they started rising with the with the introduction of, of some of the vaccines. They're not as high as other countries, but you're going in the wrong direction. So that's kind of interesting. That kind of suggests not post COVID in in a way. And in Sweden was vilified for not locking down. Are people Aga coming to understand that that was the correct call? That they did the right thing at the right time? I mean, you know, if you look at the data, we, you know, of course, of course, there were COVID deaths like everywhere else, but but there is not a huge difference uh, between the lockdowns and, and and Sweden that didn't lock down when it comes to, um, you know, um, excess deaths or or deaths from from COVID. Um, I mean, we we. We had some restrictions uh, and people were following them. We never wore masks, uh, you know, towards the end of the pandemic, they started recommending masks, but there was no mandates, you know, everything was recommendations. Um, same thing with the vac- vaccines, although, you know, the population is, you know, I think we, we have 80% vaccination rate or something like that. I, I can't give you the exact number, but it's high. Um, but it, it wasn't mandatory, you know, people were not forced to take it. There's always the peer pressure, of course, but, you know, um, I think at least, you know, people had a choice. Same thing with, with uh, children. Uh, the government decided not to recommend vaccines for, for kids. Well, it's the, the problem with the non, non-mandate non is that the em, employer and the, you know, the schools and all these step in and they start mandating. Uh, so the government doesn't have to. Well, see, they can't do that here. Mm. Uh, the, the, the school cannot mandate that it, it by itself. You know, it has to come from the government because it's all, you know, oh, that's here interesting. it's all public. Yeah. So, so, so let me, let me, yeah, let me weigh ahead. in yes, here. I, 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 I just pulled up the stats for Sweden. So Sweden had excess death in 2020 of 7.5% pre-vaccine. It did drop to 1.83% in 21, and it's back up to 5% in 22, so going the wrong direction, and we'd love to see 2023. So Sweden is the outlier, but it's going the wrong way now. So it, it did decline in 21 from 2020, but it's, it's on its way back up. Interesting. Uh, do you guys want to, I got a couple of people that I think want to ask a question of Agar. Do you mind if I go to the calls for a second? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This is uh, Seattle Indy. Uh, I'm not sure what the actual name is. Everyone has uh, funny X handles. Uh, 
Uh, and of course, uh, you, if you raise your hand, I'll bring you up to the podium and you have to unmute your mic down the lower left-hand corner if you do come up. Uh, Seattle, do unmute yourself and uh, have at it. Okay, thank you very much. I think that, um, you know, what the first speaker said about the fascist and mass movement aspects of it, all of that was very apparent to me very early on. And also what, um, you know, really kind of scared me was we've seen a deliberate misrepresentation in the popular mind of what science is. Uh, and not mm -hmm. many people who are running around saying, I believe the science, uh, even know what science is. And science is not a single person doing an experiment in a lab anymore. Uh, it's not Isaac Newton. It's not Benjamin Franklin. Science these days is a massive process involving all kinds of specialists, requiring a tremendous amount of money and dealing with all sorts of controls as to how it gets publicized. Uh, so there's yes. this huge human element in science nowadays where it is very, you know, science only sees what it looks at and what it's looks what it looks at is determined by who's financing it um and we have this just very strange view that science is now kind of whatever the experts say it is uh in right it's an institution or something right right yeah let us chew on that for a second uh, it's a good it's a good point because science science I, i'm sure there's you know there's probably you know there there are people that thank you for your comment people that study science and history of science whatnot but ultimately science is a methodology it's a methodology and the methodology is you think up an hypothesis then you dream up an experiment that will test that hypothesis you classically do a uh, a, a null hypothesis uh, and then you run a test and then you do a statistical analysis to see whether it's likely that that was not correct and that's it uh, that's the scientific methodology it's very simple hypothesis study statistical analysis repeated and modified many many thousands of times and then something might go from a hypothesis to a theory but at, at all of it is an attempt to approximate reality and the truth but none of it claims truth that's that's one of part of the scientific method is humility and understanding that it's always changing and always i mean what if you know uh before Galileo, I mean, this is like Galileo all over again. It's the craziest damn thing. But uh, let's have each of you comment on this. There, of course, are institutions, and there is money, and there is differences between clinical research and physics research and, uh, you know, biological research. These are different methodologies or different, it's part of experimental methodologies, uh, and can conclude different things and have different degrees of certainty. But ultimately, it's still just the scientific method. Aga. Yeah, and as I said before, uh, um, that, uh, you know, there needs to be an open dialogue about these things because, you know, like you said, it's changing constantly. So if someone sees something else over here and someone sees something else over there, like we need to at least be able to discuss the issues, you know, and, 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 you know, have that. I mean, I think that's the least you would expect. But then also, you know, I've heard, you know, interviewing also scientists across the globe. Um, Many of them say that, you know, if, if a study doesn't go the way that, that you know, the, the people that fund it um, 
wanted to go, it's just trashed, you know, and, and, um, and, and it just doesn't go anywhere because they kind of, you know, stare what, what, what direction they want to go into. And, and I think also that's, yeah, you're, that's it. You're putting the finger on uh, not just not just follow the money and that there, there there are that there are funding mechanisms behind these things that may be pulling strings, but also the problem with the publishing editorial process, and that's a brand new thing that I've never seen that in my career before. Where, where I'm wondering if there are things that are being overlooked merely because they don't corroborate a consensus which is exactly what science should be. I mean, Copernicus was a heretic. It was not the consensus. Galileo was put under house arrest for daring to come up with the truth. Uh, that's how governments do things, not how science does things. Ed, your comment. Yeah, so I come from the capital markets on Wall Street, and we saw this all the time, institutional um, beliefs that were absolutely wrong uh, in terms of what the herd was thinking. And then people who were contrarians took bet bets against the other side of that when there was evidence that things were changing. And that's how the most amount of money is made. So I, my whole career has been <coughs> sitting in front of CEOs, listening to them, trying to figure out whether they're telling me the truth or not. So I was very skeptical skeptical when this all came on came about, when people were declaring things that made zero sense to me. So I started investigating. So I live in the world of consensus that's often wrong and to the detriment of the investors that believe the consensus. And like you said, the other, those, well, I, those, those, people, those, those other people were contrarians, and that's where a lot of discoveries are made, the heretics. Yeah, the heretics. And uh, a friend of mine who's a financial guy said the same thing when he was watching this whole thing go down. He goes, it's just my business. It's what I deal with all the time, the madness of crowds. And so the the madness of you, you, you said, though, that somebody might be lying to you. I want to hear more about that. But the madness of crowds is fundamentally what we're talking about here, isn't it? And people don't don't really study that the way they should perhaps but that's your field ed am, am i correct and if so what is your assessment of the madness of the crowds today yeah so the, you know I, i've seen three um mass formation psychoses so to speak the first one was the dot-com bubble where the refrain was uh it's a new paradigm ed get on board well, I guess people didn't understand the laws of economics finally came home to roost there. It's a great financial <laughs> crisis. Great financial crisis, same thing. Home prices never went down. That was a belief. All you had to do was Google home prices historically, and you could see that that wasn't true, and that home prices did go down eventually at some point in the cycle. And then here we had safe and effective repeated nonstop with a 28-day clinical trial. And that, that was, for me, the mass psychosis that everyone bought that a 28-day clinical trial was somehow science, in my humble opinion. And I, and I agree. It was, it was suboptimal. We all agreed it was suboptimal at the time. Um, the, the real, the, the mass formation for me is why we're not going back and doing the necessary studies that we would normally do. The fact that we haven't done that is so odd. It, yes, it was, it was emergency. We rolled it out fast. It was intentionally suboptimal, consciously, I think self-consciously suboptimal. But now how about we go back and take a good look at what we're doing rolling forward and we seem complete it becomes cognitive dissonance kicks in now when you even suggest that i agreed so there was a there was a time period where this could have been the right decision had this thing not been as disastrous as it was but once it was determined there were safety signals 
there should have been a going back and any questioning of anything was censored and kiped and, 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 and quashed. And you're right about that. There seems to be this religion around the vaccine for certain individuals, especially those in the institutions that approved it. You said the CEO might have been lying to you. Uh, I, I'm sure that does happen, but aren't, isn't that just another what you were trying to see through? Uh, another sort of manifestation of mass mass formation or and cognitive distortions. I, the CEO wanted to believe it, right? Uh, whatever he was telling yeah. you, he he yeah. was a, he was he was he was a believer. He was trying to make you a believer too. CEOs are not paid to tell you the truth, even though. They may know the truth, you know, deep down inside them. They're, they're cheerleaders for their stocks. And my job was yeah, to determine yeah. whether their words were congruent with their actions. And many times they would tell me something and then a pre press release would come out a couple of weeks later, uh, sending a signal that they didn't even believe their own nonsense. So that's what I did is, you know, congruency between words and actions. So, so using that as a model, uh, are we seeing things today uh, are you seeing individuals today that are manifesting something several, similar through which we might be able to infer something? Well, you know, I, I go back to the, the height of the pandemic when there were, there were um, clips and clips showing that the politicians would wear their masks for the cameras. And then once they thought the cameras were off, they'd take them off. So those kind of words and actions uh, kind of being uh, incongruent. The actions today, ordering testing, spending a couple billion dollars to reorder testing equipment for this new variant. Well, if it's really that bad, why wouldn't you just send out the alarm now and then order the equipment? It seems to be a pre-planned kind of thing. That So the, the words and actions are, are not matching up in my mind. This rolling out mask mandates with a variant that, you know, it's nothing more than a common cold in my humble opinion. I got COVID a couple of weeks ago. It was a head cold. I got food poisoning two weeks after that. That was that was that was way worse. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it, depending <laughs> what the causative agent was. But but uh, you, you, what's that, Aga? No, I said for some people. I mean, you know, it's really hard because then you know, of course, like we all know, people that really suffered, you know, from from COVID, and it was so much more. I mean, mm -hmm. personally, when I got it the first time. I, I experienced this whole menstrual cycle madness that was also, you know, huge everywhere. And, and it was mm -hmm. as severe as, as they, they were saying. And I, I obviously didn't take the shot, but I, but I experienced that and, uh, and it was pretty scary, you know? So, um, you know, I mean, some people say it's a bioweapon. We're talking about spike protein, even coming from COVID. Um, you know, I, I, I do know, like my sister has long COVID and she has pops from it uh and she she yeah. also didn't take the vaccine so there's just so many question marks uh around this i feel that you know it's hard to like kind of you know settle on on where we stand with everything and this is why it's so important to do more research you know research is something that that is of course like for me at least now in the in the next year is is the number one thing and obviously we're seeing like you said the governments and 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 our health authorities are are not funding it so so we we have done a lot to fund it ourselves um and 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 we're trying to, to constantly you know raise money to be able to do these things but but you know it takes a lot and it's very costly uh, I Dr. Agree Kelly Victory COVID is on Twitter. Go ahead, I was I'll finish just that say, up. I agree. 
I was going to agree that the original COVID strain was was the worst one, and over time, it's gotten less lethal as viruses do, so that they can survive in the wild. Um, but back back in the original days, yes, people were very sick. But even some vaccinated friends of mine who get COVID are not taken out for uh, very long with the current strain. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex went, oh, oh boy. <laughs> he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for discount off the list price that is drdrew.com p-e-t-c-l-u-b 247 pet club 247 yeah well let me and and we have lots of treatments now lots of ideas about how to treat it i don't think i i will be shocked if uh anyone has seen cytokine storm from the present variant uh my my experience the present variant i've seen a lot of it it's either what ed had a head cold susan had a head cold uh it and strangely i didn't catch it or if i did it i was asymptomatic but i've seen several cases well several many 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 cases where it is very intense high fever very sick very short it's like two to three days max and in my experience with paxlovid it gets better in literally six hours i mean just immediately and so the other thing about the current vaccine environment is we have lots of other treatment options dr kelly victory has been traveling today very kindly just swung by to talk to you guys on twitter spaces kelly thank you for stopping in Hey, sorry that I wasn't here for the whole show. I, I wanted to make sure that people knew that reports of my demise were premature. Um, I actually, this was just a traveling snafu. Uh, and, and in fact, the queen, the queen heretic has arrived. Um, I am exactly that. I was listening to your, to your conversation. I am the heretic uh, because the reality is this. Consensus is not science. It is the job of scientists to actually breach from, from consensus and to say, hey, that's actually not what I'm seeing or that's not what this study shows or here's another theory we should pursue. Uh, so that's the first thing I would say. Secondly, uh, Drew, to answer your question, why we have not gone back, quote, and done the studies that should have been done before is because they don't want to know. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they don't want to prove the reality. They have done this. It's been a lot of sleight of hand. They've pulled this over everybody's eyes. They've shoved it down people's throats. And the reality is they don't want to know. This was bad science. 
This stuff wasn't tested. They know it's ineffective. They know it's fraught with problems. Why do you think the CDC just, you know, surreptitiously stopped following vSafe? Okay. They don't want to know. You won't find what you won't look for. Ed? Yes, I agree. <laughs> you know, they, um, they, they simply. Dr. Victory said it better than I could have. Uh, Aga, go ahead. Left us speechless. <laughs> no, I just said, you know, that, that of course, uh, they, if, if they would do the research and the science, uh, we probably wouldn't buy their vaccines anymore. Yeah, and, ex- and Aga, I would ask you, let me, Drew, let me ask you a question. You were talking about your very Please. severe bout, bout with, um, with Ed, and given that, you know, you are not elderly, you don't appear to have any of the uh, well-known comorbidities that we would have associated with severe. Did you, were you treated with anything or did you just kind of gut it out? Were you, did you have it during the period of time when it was just, you know, stay home until you turn blue and then maybe go to the hospital? Or did you actually avail yourself of some of the, um, you know, available treatment options? Uh-oh. Oh, was that, that was for you. Yes, that was for Audrey. Yeah, yes. I was just, yeah. For the first time, I actually, I, I didn't know much and I just stayed home, but I, I got very sick, I have to say. Maybe not as sick as my sister and my mother, but I, I did, and I had these, you know, um, uh, menstrual issues uh, with my menstrual cycle. Um, and that actually continued, but then I think I got it a second and third time. I, I never wanted to take the tests, uh, but I knew since my family took the test and I was obviously like in the same in the same space. But I used ivermectin and the second and third time and it was very effective. And then of course all the supplements that you were supposed to. Yes. And, and I agree, by, by the way, with everything that both Drew and Ed have been saying with regard to this current variant um, is extraordinarily mild. Even the CDC acknowledges that it is not associated with any of the respiratory uh, conditions, the shortness of breath, the cough, cytokine storm. There's no loss of sense of taste or smell. I mean, it is, you know, back in the olden days, what we used to call a cold. Flu. Well, it's like a flu when it when it's bad. It's sometimes like a cold and sometimes like a flu. Uh, although I have a case right now with, with a lot of coughing symptoms. And again, maybe it's not the new variants. Maybe it's plain old Omicron, that, the old Omicron that she's got. Uh, okay, guys. Well, uh, Kelly, I'm going to drop you off because I'm going to wrap things up. I appreciate you stopping by and saying hi. We look forward to Kelly coming back. Is it uh, Monday or Tuesday? Is that correct, Caleb? Maybe you want to put some of the upcoming shows it's on there? T- yeah, Tuesday, um, with, uh, Jeffrey T- Tuesday with Jeffrey Tucker. Jeffrey Tucker. All right, my dear. We'll see I'm you there. Sure, then. we give her the right time. Thank yes, you. we'll give you the right time too. Okay, take care. <laughs> yes, that was part of the problem. Thank you, today. Kelly. Um, guys, I wonder. Let's just sort of wrap things up. Uh, Aga, I'm going to give you a chance to give some closing closing thoughts. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I think just you know that it's it's really important for me, and and I think you know for uh, the world to acknowledge that, that where you are in the situation where a lot of people have, have been injured uh, by these shots, uh, whether we like it or not. And, and uh, to me, it is a big humanitarian crisis. And I think it's really important that we don't forget that, you know, 
I think this summer when COVID was kind of over, people just relaxed and went back to normal and everything went back to normal and they they just, you know, uh, maybe start paying too much attention. But I think, you know, um, it's really important that we we come together and support each other in this because I, I do believe that, um, you know, uh, we need to help people out there uh, in this situation also because they have been abandoned by their governments and their health institutions. And, and it's really hard, you know, we need to educate more doctors to kind of see um, and be able to identify vaccine injury. We need to do more research. I mean, there's just so much work to still be done. So I think, you know, I think my message is, you know, that we, you know, we can't forget about the people that are out there and also, you know, they're part of our communities. There's so many of them out there and it's just coming out more and more. And I, I, I think, you know, uh, there will be a lot of um, people that that will need a lot of help, and and we still have haven't gotten the answers. We have no, uh, you know, solution. We have no one, you know, one one thing that will help everyone to get better. And people have lost everything out there. You know, they lost their families, their jobs. Um, you know, they're being uh, gaslighted and just ignored. So. You know, I, I think you know that that's my message. You know, to to not forget to support these people out there and and help us fund more research to find answers for them out there. Aga, thank you. I'm going to let you go and keep Ed for a couple of minutes. Again, can we talk about it.org and the AgaWilsonShow.com. Thanks, Aga. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. So, Ed, one of the things Aga and I were talking about was. Um, the preconditions for mass formations like this and how they develop and how they've happened through history. And, and it's, it's something in the human system <laughs> for sure. But given that this is sort of your area, do you have thoughts about what we do now? Uh, I guess, you know, in, with the dot com and with the uh, 2007 crisis, 2008, things just you know, played out in the in the financial system, but this is now sort of in the societal structure. It seems like where there's people that who seem to welcome this and and cheer for more control and more lockdown and less you know more silencing and less exchange of ideas. What do you what do you when you when you sit down and think about these things? What what do you imagine is going on, and what do you imagine ought to be done about it? You know, so I, I heard you and Aga talking a little bit about this before you, you I joined, and you know, you said something about trauma. I, I think that has a lot to do with its cycles of trauma. There's generational cycles, and demographics have a role to play into it. And right now, we, you know, we have a demographic. Uh, we have two big demographic groups. We have the baby boomers and the millennials, and then there's Gen X in between and Gen Z, and um, a lot of a lot of the problems can be focused on economics. The country's been kind of hollowed out over the last 40 years. There's not as much family formation. So a lot of people are isolated mm -hmm. and alone. And a lot of the people that really took up the baton of, you know, enforcement on others, uh, you know, we saw, we, you know, the, the Karens and the male equivalent of the Karens are people that felt lonely and isolated and powerless. And all of a sudden the government gave them power. And, you know, mm. when the government gives people power, bad things tend to happen. We saw in Rwanda with that genocide, you know, I, I was I, I heard someone who survived it speak about it. And it really kind of took off once the government blessed it and people felt 
like they had, you know, an okay to do what normally they wouldn't do. And I think we saw a little bit of that during the COVID lockdowns, the vaccine shaming, the mask shaming, the social distancing. People really embraced it because they felt important and they were doing a good thing. But it really, it, that's how totalitarianism and, you know, East German Stasi comes to power, these kinds of things. And I think we have yeah. a, we yeah. have a problem socially. We have a problem socially. Too many people isolated, not, a, not enough community. Church attendance is way down. People don't feel like they belong to something. And people with this felt like they belonged. So it is it is it to bring together communities and encourage people to you know connect with others and not isolate and uh, find meaning and it, which is hard as you said when the economy the economic structure is so hollowed out p- part of where people found meaning was in the workplace with you know common common goals in the workplace and uh, it feels like the the you know I've talked to a lot of millennials that the, the inspiration that goes with that just isn't there. It, do you feel like we're going to turn that piece around maybe? Yeah, we will. Uh, these things cycle throughout history. And, I, you know, I have a feeling from this great, I call it evil, a great good is coming. It's going to take some time. But I think people are going to really focus on what's important in life, which are human relationships in this materialistic world that's been beaten into our heads by advertisers the last 60 years. It, it's going to go the, the way of the dodo bird, primarily because you know, the global financial system is collapsing and you're not going to be able to immerse yourself in materialism. You're going to have to get back to, you know, human assets to help you through life rather than, uh, you know, your little island into yourself. If hollowing out of our uh, economy is part of the source of this, your uh, casual prediction of collapse of the international financial system doesn't give me confidence that that part's going to get better <laughs> well look it's going to get worse before it gets better but the the number of people who are reprioritizing what's important to them is increasing and i i feel like i've met a lot of great people who are starting to you know money money is a necessary evil but it's not their raison d'etre for living to accumulate more stuff before they die there seems to be a genuine yeah. And the response here in Maui, the number of people, the locals that helped, we overwhelmed the government to the point where they had to stop us from getting goods in there because they're trying to cover up the dead bodies. But, you know, we overwhelmed them and we got our stuff in there. So I have a lot of faith in humanity. I, I do, too. I just worry about how far down we have to go before that correction occurs. I, I, I agree with you. I'm a, I'm a, I have an optimistic bias. I'm, I'm clearly I noticed that during COVID when I when everyone was going pessimistic. I thought, well, I'm, I don't see it that way. I, have, I seem to have a bias on this that made me see it a little differently. And I think I was mostly right. Um, but I, I worry when things are in a decline of where the bottom is. That's that's a very hard thing to predict. Yeah, it's hard to predict. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm in a, in, in a space now where I'm predicting things that aren't pleasant. So people look at me as the prophet of doom, but there is a lot of hope. Unfortunately, change doesn't come easily, but change is coming. The system that we've been under for the last 60 years that's, you know, slowly hollowed out the country, caused, you know, massive drug addiction in Midwestern cities going bye-bye. Uh, that That is now... Uh, uh, front and center and it's now in the big east coast city so they can't hide this anymore and i I think the problems Mm. have to be addressed that have been ignored for decades and you know these you know purdue pharma getting away with what they got away with and the fentanyl crisis and the 
the, the, the deaths of despair. Now we have to deal with the vaccine issue too. So I do think uh, it's been a bridge too far and a lot of these ugly hidden problems are, are coming to light. And, and, and spread it, unfortunately. But they had to spread you, to everybody before everybody could care, unfortunately. Again, I'm always interested in getting people's ideas on this. Do you have a prescription for the future? Are you have ideas about what we should be doing? Uh, it, there's going to be a realignment of the financial system. How that, you know, whether it's a slow crash or a fast crash, you know, your guess is as good as mine. But the economy is uh, going... Uh, the economy, the real economy is not good. The only thing propping this up at the moment is government spending. And uh, we, we're predicting a, a you know, recession in Q3, Q4, Q1. And we'll see well, how the authorities respond to that, whether they res respond with fear or uh, change. And, you know, this presidential election is going to be very important. I'm hoping we have one. <laughs> um, and it, and and it, and it, it's not you know it's as fair as, as it can be but you know there's a lot of people in vested interests that are clinging on to power and there's a lot of unfortunately crimes of corruption not just my issue which is this pharmaceutical disaster but there's been there's been a grift going on in Washington D.C. for decades and it's gotten so big that it's become patently obvious to anybody. Uh, uh, don't don't worry, Ed. Uh, YouTube allows us to question elections now. All of a sudden, so it's okay. I don't have to censor that part. Okay, <laughs> that's, a, that's the one loosening of censorship. I, I we became worried when um, uh, uh, Aga blurted out that she was treated with some of those medications that have been silenced, uh, and I, I noticed Caleb immediately threw up a, a qualified. <laughs> the look on her face. She's like, uh oh, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah. So, but again, I, I th this is it. my main issue is uh, being able to have open discourse. Uh, that is my numero uno. And this idea that platforming people that have differing opinions is going to you know, make people more paranoid. No, it's the opposite. I worked in a psychiatric hospital for 35 years. You must give fresh air and sunlight to everything. You make people paranoid by restricting access to every idea every discourse every every uh everybody's uh, participation you you arrive at the truth through conversation yeah you but ai that. doesn't know that drew i understand that's that. what was happening I understand. at youtube i understand and thanks for coming by again hopefully we'll bring you again uh, very very soon uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you my friend we love you yes thank you so much and as we update the 23 numbers i'll probably have more analysis to talk about Great. As soon as we got it, let me know. Uh, Ed Dowd, everybody, you can follow him at, uh, uh, at Dowd Edward on Twitter and also finance, P-H-I-N-A-N-C-E-Technologies.com. So, uh, Caleb, throw up the uh, upcoming shows. Here, there we go. Mark Cianchese in here tomorrow. That should be fascinating. He's a cognitive psychologist. A lot of the stuff we were talking about here today falls right into his domain. Caleb pulled a, a number of his observations from uh, spring of 2020, where he saw the cognitive distortions underway in real time and called them out. Jeffrey Tucker on September 5th with Kelly back. September 6th early with Dr. Freeman again. Should be very interesting. John Phillips on September 13th. Candace Owens uh, on September 19th. Pierre Corey coming back in on September 20th with uh, Kelly Victory. Susan? We also have Dr. Goswami and Vince from V-Shred on the uh, 12th. On the 12th. And Dr. Goswami yes. is going to fix my shoulders. We're going to talk about that. There's What's actually that, a, a few more. There's a few more episodes that are between all of these that are listed. These are just the ones that I have confirmed right now. So there, there are a bunch more shows through September. Of course. 
Of that course. I can confirm the 12th. We will set that all. We will enjoy seeing you there. Uh, I must say, I've looked away from the restream for a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm sure Susan was over the Rumble Rants. Everybody good over there, Susan? Yeah, they're having a good uh, time over there. Good. Ed, Ed entertained everybody. Yeah, and I'm looking at the restream right now. Bring back Pam Popper, okay. Um, yeah, if you have requests, uh, contact drdrew.com. If you have ideas, uh, if you have uh, comments, uh, Susan does look at these things. You do still look at them, right, Susan? Yes, yes. sir. I do too. Uh, Pam Popper again. Yeah, Caleb does as Caleb well. Caleb and I are on it. Uh, we we I do want to bring people also, back. Also, join around. the email list. That's how you get in there. Uh, I'm I'm seeing Jessica Rose coming. Or join back. locals. You'll get more information oh, there too. That's true. Did I see Caleb Jessica Rose maybe coming back again? Yes. Again and uh, uh, she is Lada returning. Pova maybe coming back. Yes, they're yeah. returning. I'm not sure which date though, but I know that Jessica Rose is coming up soon. Yeah. So a lot of the people that we talked to about some of the observations early, who've been looking at this data all the way along trying to move this forward a little bit again and i'm hoping everyone will keep an open mind and change their opinions i i am by the way lately increasingly worried about long about COVID effects uh, on the excess mortality data i am more concerned about that now given uh, present data than i was even a couple weeks ago uh, i'm certain that the vaccine has a role to play i don't know what because we don't know the exact numbers yet uh, uh again in terms of determining what the risk reward should be for say a 30 year old or a 25 five-year-old uh, but in terms of the actual uh, excess mortality that is still with us I'm very worried that, that a lot of it is COVID and of course COVID plus vaccine because how many of us are, are in that category as well all right well thank you so much for joining us we will see you uh, tomorrow at three o'clock pacific time for Mark Cenchese cognitive psychologist Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800 273 8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com slash help. Yeah.